Freakwide Vancouver. Free game, post game, every game presented by Bodog and Sports Odds. The free casino games make it play at bodog.net. One and JPAT here with you. Feels weird to say the pregame, postgame, every game off the start now because we don't have any pregames or postgames to talk about. But uh, we do cover, I guess, every game when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks and every topic when it comes to the Vancouver Canucks. And we got a good one today that we want to chat about. But doesn't it make you pull your hair out? Like, yeah, that everybody else is having yeah. all this fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we deal with what we deal with. We can't make up Canuck games. They're not going to play any until September. But, you know, again, I always find myself at this time of the year sort of comparing and we talked a little bit yesterday about dropping the Canucks into some of these series and how would they stack up I mean obviously you got to qualify for the playoffs first and foremost and that's going to be the challenge for for next season but man another night just incredible action that we could talk about a little bit later on and I don't know I mean I I know I'm not alone I see people on Twitter just like I want this so badly for this city just like you know, the, again, the roller coaster of emotions and the overtime and the angst and everything else. Like, it's just it's been an incredible first week of the playoffs. Yeah. And, and I think, too, it's it's just how close these series are as well. You know, like even I know Boston Bruins were like by far the best team in the NHL this year. And I know they've been pushing to get Florida out right now, but the games are tight, right? Like there's nobody that's really miles ahead of one another at the moment. So yeah, in that regard. And then you look down the I five and, and look at what the Kraken yeah. were able to do last night. I mean, second year in the league and, and the volume around that series is only going to go up here. Oh, I the, know it's the longer they hang around. And if they ultimately knock off the defending champs, I mean, people in Vancouver are going to yeah. blow a gasket just so. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's take a look at this. Cause you uh, brought up this topic to me today and I like it. The path to the Canucks to make the playoffs next year. And let's look at the facts here. 12 points short, right? They had 83 points this year, 95 got you in. Now, I'm wondering right off the bat here, two things sort of stick out to me. Obviously, that start really sewered the Canucks, if you you really look at it, to start the season. Thatcher Demko being out, massive factor, obviously. But also, too, now the structure that they've sort of got built into their game through Rick Tockett. Those two factors alone, to me, put the Canucks back in the conversation, I think, in terms of pushing for the playoffs next year. Now, of course... Going to be a different roster, different lineup. So we don't really know what we're dealing with in that regard. But when I just look at those two factors right there and the gap that there was for them to make the playoffs, those two stand out to me. Yeah, I think you nailed it. So let's kind of drill down on that. Like As I sit here, do I think the Vancouver Canucks can pick up six wins, 12 points needed to get to 95 for next year? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, this is an assumption that Thatcher Demko stays relatively healthy. I mean, if they suffer a catastrophic injury, you saw what happened this year. But as we sit here in the offseason, let's just work on the premise that, you know, things are going to go. Maybe that's a dangerous premise. Things are going to go right for the Vancouver Canucks. But for the sake of this argument, we'll give them Thatcher Demko's health at the very least. So, you know, from that, a full season of Demko, can I see them picking up the six wins needed to get to 95? Yeah, like 0-7 start, even if they win half of those games. Right there, they're ahead of the curve. Because let's give them three wins in those first seven games that they ended up losing when they had leads in most of them. Now, all of a sudden, you need three more wins the rest of the way? Come on. Like, yeah, of course, they can figure out a way to, to grind out three additional wins. So... You know, when I look at a path back to the playoffs with the Canucks, I would say, first of all, they have to improve. There's no doubt you're not going to make it with 83 points. But it's not just about what do the Vancouver Canucks do, because every year is different and we don't know where the playoff bar is going to be. And if they get in, it means somebody's got to be squeezed out. And yeah. we can look at that in a sec. But but just areas of improvement 
And and so much of it does start with Demko for a full season providing the kind of goaltending that they had down the stretch. The penalty kill has to be better, doesn't it? Like, just can't be worse unless they add a few more expansion teams, but they're not prepared but what to do was that. It- what was it under talking? I know you you probably have the numbers. Like it, it was it was much improved, right? It was better, but it couldn't. Be, you know what? It wasn't as good. I I think we got blinded by all the shorthanded goals that they okay. scored, and it felt like I think ended up being twenty first in the league in the mm-hmm. time that Talkit was the coach. So still, you know, in the bottom third. And yeah, they crept over seventy percent. Ultimately, finished up just a shade over seventy. But but again, I think. They're going to have to address that in the offseason. They have to hope that healthy Demko, a healthy Ilya Mikheyev, you know, if they go out and they bring pieces in, hopefully there are guys that can, you know, add to that role around this hockey club. But I do think, like, that sunk them on. I mean, how many post-game shows did we do in the early going where we were like, this can't continue? But guess what? It did for the most part. So, yeah, it was better under Tockett, but it has to get a whole lot better still. So, think you know a better start to the season and again they're going to talk about that when they arrive at training camp and nobody wants to hear it talk is cheap just get out there and get off to a way better start let's see what the schedule looks like you know is it going to start with another lengthy road trip i would advise they maybe try something a little different after the last couple of years where they started with the long trips right off the hop having all those home games at the back end yeah great if you're in a playoff chase but you know if you're sunk then you're left trying to sell tickets. And I mean, how many push for ticket sales down the stretch for games that nobody really wanted to watch? You know, it's got to figure out a way to get off to a better start, stay with the pack. And then from there, try and incrementally churn out some points. But you know, when I look at the roster that they've gotten, again, they're going to add to it, we think, but you know, they and subtract from it as well. Like, yeah, you're right. No, there, it, there's going to be turnover. That, yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's a constant in pro sports. You know, I, I guess when I start to look at like improvement from within, realistically, Elias Pettersson, you hope that he can stay somewhere close to the level he was at. I don't know how much more, even as guys are scoring and, you know, offense is going up around the league. I think you're asking an awful lot to think that he's going to be, you know, much more than 100 points. 100 points, it's incredible. But, you know, I'm not sure that there's a ton more for him to give offensively. Can he continue to round out his game? Yeah, I think so. You know, but then you look like Kuzmenko. I think we all think that, you know, the shooting percentage tells you that he's got to take a step back, but he's still, like, he's a goal scorer. That's what he does. And if he plays with Pedersen, that's going to produce some offense. You know, JT Miller seemed to find his game again under Rick Tockett, so I would anticipate that even with the new deal kicking in and maybe some pressure on him, I still think what we saw this year around 80 points, I think that's a, yeah. you know, like, yeah. you know, we don't know who his wingers are going to be, but, you know, he's a guy that factors in on the power play and all that kind of stuff. So I think the top-end guys... You know, as long as they stay healthy and can give you somewhere close to what they gave you this year, that's a big step in the right direction with some of those other areas that we already talked about. Then I guess the question is, can you get a little bit more from guys that have either underachieved or, you know, some of these young players that are, you know, they want, whether it's at Abbotsford or, you know, some of the guys that finished the season here, you know, can they take that next step? And, you know, Talkett knows that that's part of the challenge for him. Uh, and. You know, I'm not as bullish on that second part of the equation as I am on Elias Pettersson sort of establishing himself as somewhere close to a 100-point guy for the next couple of seasons. You know, when I look a little further down the roster, yeah, you want to believe that, you know, Nils Hoaglander maybe can make the jump back to the National Hockey League and be productive. But, you know, I guess when I look at a Hoaglander or a Pod Colson, 
you know, can they get to the level that Connor Garland and Brock Besser produced this year? Like, I guess the contracts are different, but, you know, if Hoaglander scores 15 to 20 goals, that's great for him. But, you know, he, he really all he's they move off Besser or Garland, then you're really just replacing those goals that those guys scored this year. So is Hoaglander a replacement for, say, someone like Besser? Like, to, to me, Hoaglander tops out, at least right now, as a third line guy. You know, a third line guy that can produce a little bit, play a bit of a, a defensive role. To me, I think Brock Besser is a step above him. Yeah. In terms of offensive production. And if you are going to move off Brock Besser, I don't think that Nils Oglander is your perfect replacement. No, I would agree with that. Uh, and I also think, too, like Ilya Mikheyev, I, I don't know fully what to expect from Mikheyev. I mean, I want to see that he's completely healthy first and foremost. And see, he seems he seems like a third liner to me as well. But, I know, but again, somebody, gotta, somebody has yeah. to play. And no, yeah, you already yeah. plugging holes with Phil DiGiuseppe in your top six. Like if this team is going to make strides and and improve, then they have to. I mean, somebody's got to play with. I mean, Beauvillier is still around, I suppose. You could start the season with that line intact as your top line. But but then, yeah, who plays with JT Miller? And you're right on really good teams. I would agree with you. But this isn't a really good yeah. team and it's not stacked. So your third line guys sort of by default become second liners on this team. Are you paying Ilya Mikheyev to be a top six guy? Cause like, what is he four, seven, four, nine, something like that. Yeah. I mean, he and Garland are essentially in the yeah. same ballpark and then Besser obviously is mill and change more than that. And you know, the jury is out on all three of those guys to be more than they are. Like, you know, they've all been all right. Mikheyev obviously played through injury and only played half a season. The other guys have been okay, but I don't think that they have, you know, provided value for the contracts that the Canucks have given them. And so that's the know, risk with free agency too, right? Like it's yeah, always overpaying. But again, as we're trying to figure out like the path forward for this group, like, you know, if Besser comes back, all these same conversations that we've had. And again, he can say all the things that he said last week about knowing the pressure's on and, you know, challenging himself and training. But ultimately at this stage, like he's got to come back and, and just, just do it. Like, enough talk like just get out there and become the player that you believe you could be okay so we we know that they need to improve in the third line center position yes. like the third line has got to be like one of those two-way lines where they they can't not give you production they have to right totally. yep so we know that that's the hole right there but everything else canucks have right now today if they're to fill that hole with you know say let's just say a, a 40 point guy mm-hmm. okay is that enough with the team that they have right now do you believe that they could make up that that 12 points and, and be a playoff team next year? Uh, yes, I think they can. I think with Tockett continuing to get them to play the, they, the way that he wants them to play, and with Thatcher Demko uh, down the stretch, yeah, I think that they're going to play tighter games. I think that they've got enough offense that generally the offense wasn't an issue with this group. And so, yeah, I guess if you can fill that third-line standard role, you know, they've got enough options and enough pieces to sort of flesh out that bottom six. Again, we talked yesterday about, you know, do they have enough edge and enough grit to be a playoff team? Or, you know, once they get to the playoffs, that's a different conversation. Based on the roster that they've got, yeah, I think there's enough there. Now, people are probably screaming, like, you guys have talked about goaltending, you talked about forwards, hello. (laughs) It's going to go there. (laughs) Yeah, and obviously, that's where the conversation does have to go. But, you know, they made the trade. They, Philip Ronick, again, his health, if he's healthy, he helps them. He's a he is an upgrade. He's oh, yeah. a piece that they have yep. been missing without a question on that right side. But you know how good can he be? Nobody knows the answer to that. How do they deploy him? 
that's going to be wild and, and fascinating for me. But, you know, you've got Hughes, you've got Hronik, and then now you've got some more questions about, I mean, certainly there's the $8 million question that is OEL. And I don't know, like, I still, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt for some reason. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just You're going to have to, I think. <laughs> like, well, I, fans are going to have to. He's staying, Right, man. but, but again, it's one thing to say, yeah, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. If he shows up and he's no better, then what? Like, you know, you started the season with him penciled in as one of your left side defenders. And now all of a sudden, oh, then where do you go? So, yeah, I mean, there's some risk involved there, but for the sake of this argument, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he can play, that there's something still there for him. And then again, we come back to, you know, okay, what do they do with Ethan Bear? It certainly sounds like both sides want to get a deal done here. Yeah. Um, you know, so we don't know what that defense is. And, and that's why it can be difficult to sort of conduct this exercise without knowing all the pieces. I just think, again, can the group that they've got with the sort of framework that we know, the players that they have under contract, you know, can they pick up six additional wins, 12 points? Yes. But then it's a question of, you know, is that enough? Like maybe the playoff bar is higher than that next year. Like, you know, the playoff bar in the East this year was 92, I think. So you just, you know, every year is different. You never know ultimately what it's going to take. But I do want to believe that there is, you know, they're young star players, that there's still room for them to grow and get better and take this team where it needs to go. I guess a bit of a wild card in all of this is, and we've had this discussion before, is, you know, is the end goal of getting to the playoffs? And it better not be, right? But if it's just about getting to the playoffs, then sure, this management group can trade its first rounder and try and pick up a, you know, a quick fix of piece that you can plug into the lineup. But to me, it's not about getting to the playoffs. It's about building the team that's going to make the playoffs, but then, you know, be a worthy opponent for whoever they meet in the first round. And maybe after all these years of getting to the playoffs, you know, maybe you don't get out of the first round. But I certainly want to see a team that isn't just about creeping above the playoff bar, you know, just to get punted in the first round. Like, that's not, I don't think anybody in Vancouver wants that. Like, I think after all these dark years, it's about, you know, starting to build this group so that in this window, well, you've got Thatcher Demko under contract, well, you still have Quinn Hughes at a an affordable price. Like, you know, this is go time. And so that's, that's I guess, my concern is that, look, this management group created a first rounder to bring in Philip Ronick. Are they willing to do it again? I hope not. But that would certainly change the equation of can they get to the playoffs next year? Yeah. But that would feel like a shortcut and... I don't want to say cheating, but it, you know, I don't think in the best interest of the hockey club to to take that approach. Well, and that's the thing, though, as we've as they've sort of built this team over the years and all the sort of shortcuts that they tried to take, they're now in a situation where they've got the front line center, they've got the front line defender, they've got the front line goalie, so that it have it has to be go time, right? Like you almost can't just be happy with just the playoffs. Because of, they have they they skipped the baby steps almost, and they tried to cut through them and didn't work. And now here they are. Guys are in their prime, and it's go time. And guys you're built around are in their prime; like they're ready to go, right? So you kind of you can't can't you kind of can't just be satisfied with just being a playoff team at this point. Maybe the first year, like maybe get in there next year, but ha you have to be starting to think that this team is building itself towards being a contender because of the fact, the pieces that they already have. Right. And we talked about a little bit earlier is okay. So if the Canucks do get in, you know, somebody has got to come out and they're not making an exemption to have nine teams in the playoffs next year. So, you know, 
when you look at, like, they finished with 83 points. Winnipeg had the second wild card at 95. The Jets are going to be a team, you know, it's not looking good for them now. Lou Shifley, before that, it was Josh Morrissey. They're without Nick Ehlers. Like, that's tough. And they were already going to be in tough. But, man, like, they looked so good in that opener against Vegas. And then things have sort of spiraled out of control. So, you know, are they going to blow it up in Winnipeg? Maybe. So, yeah, it's conceivable that the Jets take a step back. But they've still got a fair bit of talent on that hockey club. You know, beyond that, Seattle was a 100-point team. And I don't think the Kraken are showing any signs of slowing down. Like, the, you know, the way that they're playing. And, you know, they're getting this done here in the playoffs. Like, I think people forgetting, like, Andre Burkowski is out. Like, they're doing this without one of their best players and giving Colorado fits already here four games into this thing. So, you know, I think the Kraken... You know, maybe they surprised in year two. They're not going to surprise anybody in year three. But but I think the way that they play, the style they play, the spread offense, and that defense that they've got. And then, you know, maybe they inject a Shane Wright next year as well. Like, you know, there's potential that they get better here. You know, so then you have to look above. Like, those are the wildcard teams, Seattle and Winnipeg. I mean, all the teams that took divisional spots, Minnesota was a low team at 103 points. <laughs> That's 20 points better than <laughs> yeah. the Vancouver Canucks. So, but this shows you really that that start, though, right? Like just how bad that start was for the Canucks and sure. how much it puts you in behind the eight ball and you're chasing the whole season at that point, right? You know, and the so, other thing too is like I'm looking at the teams above them that have to fall out. Of course, there are teams below them that you know want to agree. Yeah, well, but even like. You know, where does Connor Bedard fall and what kind of impact does he oh, have yeah. right away? And look, maybe it's foolish to say, hey, teams below the cuts, but look what Seattle did year over year. Like, you know, it's not completely out of the realm that, you know, with the right pieces and teams that have cal- you know, salary cap space and, you know, maybe can squeeze a, a top end player or two out of another team that is up against it. Like all of a sudden, I think we see that more now in the NHL that it's possible in an offseason to make significant strides if you take advantage of teams that, you know, have to basically break up the band and, and then, you know, a player like Bedard, uh, you know, and it's not just Bedard, like this kind of feels like the kind of draft that, you know, two or three of the top end guys could get plugged right into the National Hockey League. And and you saw it with a player like Matty Beniers, like, you know, he made the jump to the NHL late last year, like full time, I mean, rookie of the year, 50 some odd points and certainly doesn't look out of place here in the no. playoffs as well. No. So, you know, young guys can have an immediate impact the ones that are taken at the top of the draft. And we know that this draft is particularly special. So, I mean, the Canucks have their work cut out for them, especially given their salary cap uh, situation. But, you know, again, I, and maybe it's me just kind of, again, getting lost in this notion of, man, I want the playoffs back in Vancouver so badly watching them that, you know, I want to believe that this can be a playoff team next year because I want to cover a playoff team. I want to be doing rink wides after well, playoff games. I, yeah, I, I mean, just watching those games last night, like, wow, I would love to be doing a post game right now. Oh, <laughs> just and just give me a game. I don't even care which one it was. Talk about any of them, right? So, and and no, Calgary wasn't below them, but I mean that Calgary was below the playoff bar. Yeah. So, no, no. and they're and they're one of those teams, like, yeah, they had a shit year, but they made some pretty drastic changes. And in those drastic changes, they got some good players. They just didn't have good seasons. So, to think that Calgary is just going to, you know, take a step back would be, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to be right there as well. So. Yes, a lot more that we can dive into with the Canucks when it comes to the path to the playoffs, but good start there, and uh, we'll see exactly you know what they can do to improve the roster going into next season. 
The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. All right, well, all that hope of playoffs in Vancouver, there are actually playoffs going on in the Stanley Cup final, or playoffs, that is. And uh, let's start with last night's games. The Leafs with a 5-4 OT win. They're now up 3-1 in the series. It was 4-1, J-Pat. And if (laughs) you're a Leafs fan, that makes you cringe, probably curl up into a ball when you hear that. But no, no, no. This time they came back, and this time it wasn't them that was up 4-1 as they pull off the improbable in a 5-4 OT win, taking both games in Tampa. Yeah, and, you know, that game last night was, it's funny because I've watched so much of the first round, and I've seen it from so many of the teams, like, they just don't have it. You're thinking, like, they're going to get run out of the rink here. And I I was thinking about the Leafs through the second period. Like, they just, they weren't winning any battles. Guys didn't look terribly engaged. And at 4-1 to into the third, and I'm thinking, all right, like, they're just going to accept that it's not their night. And then when Austin Matthews scored, Make it four to two. We have seen that that two goal lead. Like it's no longer a joke. Like it is the worst lead in hockey. Like I think the team that cuts into the lead has belief. The other team, I think, starts to panic a little bit or recognizes, like, oh, if they get the next one, then we're really in trouble. And boy, I didn't think Tampa did much to up its game at that point. And credit to the Leafs and get it to overtime. And yeah, I mean, look, eventually, at some point, the Leafs were going to get out of the first round. They're not there yet but they have put themselves yeah. in position now. Uh, <laughs> Leaf fans are screaming at you if they're I listening know, to this. But, right but also Tampa, I mean, three straight trips to the cup, like you yeah, know, as yeah, good yeah. as they are. And Vasilevsky is starting to show some holes. He is like, he's not, he doesn't look like the, uh, the monster that he is. Right. So sure. And, and yeah. at the other end, like, let's point out the fact that I did on yeah. Twitter last night, like Antonov hasn't given up a goal in the third period in either of those games. So, yeah, you've got all the star power on the Leafs, and sure, you can chip away, but all it takes is you know one goal back the other way, and the comeback effort is all for naught, and it can be deflating. And so maybe he's given up a few too many earlier in hockey games, but man, when the chips are down, Leafs are getting goaltending that you know that's been a downfall of theirs in oh, playoffs yeah. past. So yep. Yep. you know you're not asking them to be like lights out world beater. Just make the saves you're supposed to. Make a few more saves than the guy at the other end of the ice, and certainly. Uh, he is doing that. So when you think of the way the series started to here we are praising, you know, Ilya Samsonov and, and the goaltending the Leafs are getting, like, good on them. I mean, it feels like, it feels like they're about to uh, oh boy, here we go. turn a page, but <laughs> there is hey, still work br- to be done. Yes. Let, let, let's bring it around to Vancouver, though. The last two OT heroes for the Leafs, the prides of West Vancouver. That's right. Morgan yep. Riley, Alex Kerfoot. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, how about the Devils? That was a weird one to me because... I mean, the Rangers made it look so easy in the first couple of games. And then the fact that they haven't been able to score at home and the the road teams won all four games. But again, and I'm flipping back and forth and I'm watching those two games. 
And the Rangers, you know, it took them a while, took them into the third period to get on the scoreboard, tied it at one. And I thought, okay, this was going to kick in the butt, get them in gear. They were so flat the rest of the way. Like they just, the Rangers looked like it was an exhibition game, which was crazy to me. They had a chance to go up three to one and take a full stranglehold on that series. And now all of a sudden, you know, it's now best of three. Devils have home ice again. Their best players are starting to come alive. Jack Hughes is, you know, he's he's finding his way, as I think we all expected he would. And all of a sudden, some of the top-end guys in the Rangers, like, nowhere to be found. So, yeah, what a but that's probably got to be the most bizarre series. I know that road teams have had a ton of success, but the Rangers made it look so easy in those first couple of games. And now they find themselves like uh, up against it. Yeah, I really love what I'm seeing from Jack Hughes as well. He's becoming one of my favorite players in the league. Golden Knights and Jets 4-2. The Knights take down the Jets 3-1 now for VGK in the series. Stranglehold on that one. And for everything that you mentioned earlier about the pieces that the Jets are missing, just feels like Winnipeg is down and out. Yeah, that was tough for Shifley. He had that uh, breakaway chance and then crashes into the end boards and tried to stay in the game. But you could tell that he was hurt and then obviously uh, had to leave the hockey game. Maybe the strangest goal of the playoffs, that jump ball that, <laughs> yeah. that was, uh, Alex Petrangelo mistimed his jump. Like he should have been able to just bat that thing to the corner, but whatever the case made it interesting at the very least. But yeah, from the, the way Winnipeg played the first game in Vegas to now kind of feels like you know, yeah. they're being led to, to their demise in game number five. And, and, you know, if you're Vegas, you have a chance to finish off the Jets in five. Meanwhile, all these other series have the feel now that they're going to go the distance, like Minnesota, Dallas, Edmonton, L.A., and and Seattle, Colorado. So if you're Vegas, to get through the first round in five and sit back and let these other teams absolutely pummel each other, you know, that that's a, a huge advantage for them. So let's see. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself and want to Winnipeg off. They've still got some good players, but that's just an awful lot. No Morrissey, yeah. no Shifley, and they haven't had Nick Ehlers the entire series. So and up against it. It's funny, though. I know everything sort of gets put under a microscope when it comes to Toronto and how they, you know, how many cracks out it they've had. And, oh, are they going to blow it up after this year if they don't do it? Like, look at Winnipeg. And I know you talked about, you know, what, perhaps they might have to make some drastic changes, but like how many kicks of the can have they had with this core group now? And they just can't, you know, I mean, I know they made a conference final. It's a little, little bit different situation in terms of, you know, what Toronto has, hasn't done in the playoffs. But at the same time, too, they both haven't won Stanley Cups, right? So with that core, you know, you're looking at guys that are going into their free agent year. You know, Shifley's going into his free agency year next year. Uh, Blake Wheeler, as well as Hunter Hellebuck. So, you know, they got some decisions to make. Brandon Dillon, DeMello as well. Like, there's some significant guys that are going to be going into their UFA year next year. So we'll see exactly what this offseason's like for the Winnipeg Jets. But it looks like it's coming quickly here the way that Vegas is controlling that series. The Kraken, as we mentioned earlier, with the 3-2 victory in OT over the Avs, controversial hit on Kale, uh, by Kale McCarr on Jared McCann. You know, I'm seeing both sides of it right now. I got some friends that are Kraken fans, and they're, you know, they want Kale McCarr's head on a platter right now. Other people saying Kale McCarr's not that player. Regardless, it's 2-2 in the series now. The Avs, or the Kraken, have the uh, Stanley Cup champions. I don't want to say on the ropes, but they definitely got him in a fight. Yeah, and if McCarr gets suspended, and by the time people listen to this, we may have ruled yeah. uh, ridiculously late. And, you know, funny, you can say, oh, Kale McCarr's not that kind of player. Well, Kale McCarr just did that. So I guess somewhere deep down, he is that kind of player. <laughs> you know, it did harken back. I saw people harkening, you know, the Dale Hunter on Pierre Turgeon going way back. And, and actually, when I dug that up and looked at it, and, you know, there are some similarities. Like, it was just so late. That was the thing for me that, uh, you know, McCann has his chance. 
and kind of starts to circle into the corner. They collide once. Like there's a little bit of contact. And I thought, okay, that'll be the end of it. And then, nope, my car, you know, saw an opportunity, I guess. And, and like where it goes from here, it's in the league's hands now. But what a missed opportunity for Colorado without 40 goal Jared McCann the rest yep. of the night. Who knows? Again, I, I hope that he's okay. I hope he comes back and, and is available to the Kraken. But last night he was out of that game. You had to put the hammer down. Man, Miko Rantanen, though, again, tried his best single handedly to will Colorado back to, to win that. Yeah, that guy's just incredible. I pointed out on Twitter last yeah. night. <laughs> a 10th, like every draft year is different. I get it. But we spent a lot of yesterday's program talking about Vasily Pod Bolson <laughs> as a 10th overall pick. He is not Miko Rantanen. Man, that. 2015. I mean, that was McDavid, Michael, but that first round was just stacked. And to you know what, you know what, you know what? Though I saw a lot of people because I saw your tweet, and you're right. Like that, that top ten is just it's stacked. And I see a lot of people all ranting and should have been too. Can Mitch Marner get a little bit of love here? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the guy's been a first team NHLer for what the last couple seasons, like, and he was fourth overall. So, but you are right. Like at ten, Rantanen. Oh my! You imagine if the the Canucks got a player like Rantanen at ten? Right, like. And, you know, it's not like San Jose whiffed. They got Timo Meyer. Meyer. Uh, just an incredible. I mean, it was the same draft yeah. that Barzell and Thomas Shabbat and Kyle Connor and Brock Besser. Like, it was just one of the great drafts in, in recent memory. But for Colorado, you know, they already had Nathan McKinnon as their centerpiece. And then to land, you know, that kind of player at 10th. And he's How just, does a guy that big go to 10th? Yeah, I don't. I, I'd have <laughs> to go back and I don't know what the flaws and the knocks were on him because he the guy's just an absolute yeah. beast. But, uh, you know, Seattle speed in overtime. Jaden Schwartz forces the issue. Manson takes a penalty. And, you know, this is incredible. I was looking at this earlier. So the Kraken are tied 2-2 with the champs. Like, what an incredible position for them to be in. After four games, they've got a home ice victory, an overtime victory now. People are into it. The league's taking notice. And you say, how are the Kraken doing it? Well, they're being led in scoring by Justin Schultz, the defenseman, with five points. Like, five points in four games. That's not going to blow anybody away. Nobody scored more than two goals for the Kraken four games into this thing 11 guys though have scored a goal and that is seattle Kraken hockey right yeah. there it's yeah. just they just spread the offense and so on any given night you know they lose jared mccann yeah it's a big deal but there's enough offense there and enough balance and spread scoring that other guys step up and and that's certainly the case everybody gets the overtime winner but daniel sprong scored you know they get a goal from a defenseman you know me banging the drum will borgen scored last night Jonas Siegenthaler scored. Morgan Riley scored again. Like goals are being scored by defensemen around the National Hockey League and at crunch time. And so just another example of that. But yeah, it's just more than anything, it's the speed and the balance of that Kraken team. And they are absolutely relentless. And the Colorado Avalanche are finding that out the hard way. Yeah, and they're pushing the cup champs two seasons into their existence. How do you think Canuck fans are feeling about that? The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Drink Wide Vancouver is presented by Bodog Sports Odds, Poker Tips, Free Casino Games. It's time to play. Breaking news, J Pat. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't have the budget for the sound effects. So that was sort of my, 
my attempt. Kale McCarr, one game suspension, even though I just mentioned it a minute ago. But yeah, yeah as we record this, uh, it came down. So plot thickens. I think it's right. I think yeah. it had to be. I know that they gave it the major and then reviewed it. And then he got a minor penalty on the ice. But you can't have that in the game. You can't even for star players. Like there has to be a price to be paid. And now it gets that much. I know they're back home and they still have home ice advantage. But that is a massive blow. You don't replace Kale McCarr. Like a guy like Bowen Byram will have to step up. but. We know what McCarr means to the Colorado Avalanche. Now, I guess if there is, you know, something for them drawn, it he missed enough time this year that they have played without him and won without him. And it is just one game, but still, like the door is open now. If you're the Seattle Kraken, you got to take advantage of that. So, uh, wow, let's see where this thing goes. Buckle up, because I, I think there's going to be a few more twists and turns in this series before finally a winner is declared. Kind of be fascinating who comes out of the West, really, because it's yeah. just who knows really right now. All right, uh, Bodog best bet from yesterday. I had no goal in the first nine minutes and thirty seconds of the Leafs Tampa Bay. Did you see what time the first I tried goal? To was I tried to talk you out of it. <laughs> you saw what happened. First goal was at nine fifty-seven. I beat it by twenty-seven seconds. Go. So yeah. Got myself a dub. My second of the playoffs. I'm looking at this tonight, J Pat. In the Minnesota Dallas series, Kirill Kaprizov has really hasn't really broken out in the series yet. He's just got one goal. They've been suffocating him. And that's one of the things I think we brought it up yesterday on the post game or on the post game. I wish we were doing a post game pod on the pod from uh, yesterday was, you know, just how teams would target Elias Pettersson. Mm -hmm. And I kind of looked at Kirill Kaprizov because they're kind of similar in size, stature. And you can kind of see that's what the the stars are doing to him. But I I see him getting a goal tonight. Anytime goal score at plus one thirty, Kirill Kaprizov maybe a power play goal something like that. But I see him getting on the board tonight. I just wonder too, like he missed so much time down the stretch. Like I can't imagine that he's at the top of his game. Sure, but you're not wrong. Like Dallas is throwing a blanket over that guy, and they've yeah. done a nice job of it so far. You know, much the way that. Give the LA Kings a ton of credit. How long can they keep Connor McDavid under wraps? I know that he did score in game three, but, you know, hasn't been the McDavid or game two, was it? No, in game three, he had two. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. But, but he, you know, he, it hasn't been the Connor McDavid show. It may still turn out to be that way, but uh, yeah. The I mean, difference is, is that the Oilers still have Leon Dry They do. fall back on they it. It's do. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But I love what the Kings are doing in that series as well. Uh, we asked a question today on at Rinkwide Van poll question today, asking you, has the Abbotsford Canucks playoff run caught your attention? And right now it's really early, less than 200 votes are in, but 74.7% of the vote are saying yes. I'm wondering how many people are being absolutely truthful about this right now. Like if were they on it in that first series, who knows, regardless, we did have one person though, quote tweet us, and this is Gord. And he says two wins equals run LOL. I mean, a two out of three series or so like it is a run. They've gone to the second round. No. I mean, if they had a one, if it had been a four or seven, is it a run? Hey, when it comes Are we to the quibbling Vancouver over Canucks, this right now, when like, it comes to the Canucks and playoff success yes. uh, at any level, two wins, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm okay calling that a run because look, they're guaranteed three more games at least. So you know, let's see. I mean, they won around. They, they won around, and they don't ask you how many it is. Just did you win it? Yeah. And they did. So I think they, last year they were done two and out. And they you know so yeah. yeah no this is a step in the right direction and now they're stepping up a weight class against the best team in the NHL and it gets going on Wednesday. I think you know in social in the social media era I think it's a lot easier for people to you know take an interest, right? Like you don't have to watch the games, you don't sure. have to go to the games, but yeah. people are yeah. following along, they know the storylines in a sense that 
there is an interest level, certainly. Now, maybe that's primarily the hardcores and the ones that really invested, but you know, the deeper they go and you know, if they throw a punch here in the first game and you know, knock the, the Calgary Wranglers off in the opener, like again, I think the further Abbotsford goes stands to reason that the more interest that there is going to be. And, you know, we'll we'll be talking about the games after the games and you know, we're not to the point of doing post-game pods for the Abbey Canucks, but haven't ruled it out entirely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we're not there yet. I'm curious if the crowd goes for uh, three, four, well, I mean, at least for three. But yeah, I'm just curious to see, you know, if they end up getting, you know, a sellout there in, in Abbotsford. And again, like I mentioned on an earlier podcast, it's really great for the community. And, and it's I think it's a really cool thing that they're having some success while the NHL team doesn't. So uh, good on the Abbey Canucks. And let's see if they can get themselves a W in Calgary. Going to be tough, though. AHL's best team, right? All right, this has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver Podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show that always scores.